Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Well, good morning, church. It's great to have you here. My name is John Adams, one of the one of the pastors here on staff, and we're so glad you're here worshiping with us. And today I'm a little sad because we're finishing up this series in Genesis, and it's been a real friend studying and looking at this wonderful book of Genesis with y'all. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as we uh, come to the scripture, we'll be in Genesis 3, if you want to look there in your Bible, starting in verse 14. I'm reminded of a story this week. Uh, we were up in the North Georgia mountains, and we went by this, and we actually went on a little walk around Dockery Lake. Well, I want to go flashback to when my kids, I had two daughters, Christy and Melissa and Lizanne, and we went when the girls were like five and six years old up to Dockery Lake for our first, it was called a Fun Family Friday Day. And we were going on a hike up into the North Georgia mountains. We've never done this before. I'm not really an outdoorsman. And so we go up there, and we, we go up to this, uh, this Dockery Lake hike. And it's 0.6 miles around the lake, okay? So that you would think that that's what we do with a five- and six-year-old. Well, I'm a little driven, and so we went around the 0.6 miles pretty fast. And I said, guys, we got to keep going this way. And it says... The sign said 3.5 miles to the Appalachian Trail. Well, after walking for about three hours (laughs) and getting lost up on the Appalachian Trail, um, my family got a little panicked and so did I. So I was running around trying to find a sign. And then finally my daughter, Christy, my oldest, found a sign that said, it says, Dad, do you see this sign? It says, we were going the other way. It says, Dad, the Dockery Lake says that way. And so we headed back the right way. And it was, took about a six hours with a five and six-year-olds on a hike. And we were all dehydrated. And I never, I, I've heard that story over and over again. It's become legendary in the Adams household. And so, uh, so uh, hey, y'all, you got to just be careful in life that you not only go, be careful not just to go the long way, but don't go the wrong way. <laughs> and I did both, Letting, leading my family in the long way and the wrong way. Well, you know what? Um, we're going to see today that everything gets harder in our life because of sin. And what sin does in our life is that it, 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 we are led down a path that's probably the long way and likely the wrong way. We might think it's a shortcut, but it's ultimately a place where we, we fail and we're going to fall into destruction and not have life. And guess what? God doesn't want you to live in condemnation today. He wants to give you his life. So today, as we uh, look at God's word, um, we just want to remind you that this is his holy word. He has given us this revelation to change our hearts, to change our minds, and to change our actions. May God be praised as we read his word. Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field, and your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat in all the, all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken and for you are dust and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. This is God's gracious and holy word. Thanks be to our Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today, we're going to see from this passage that, that everything gets harder because of sin. And uh, we see, first of all, in this passage that there is a curse It's called the curse of sin. Remember last week, Pastor Mark taught us how we try to hide and cover our sins because we want to do that on our own. We want to fix our own problems. We want to cover ourselves. And we have started a few weeks ago back in Genesis chapter 1. And in chapter 1, it talked about God by the word of his power creating in six days all the creation and saying it's very good. And especially he was well pleased with his image bearers, male and female. He created them distinctly and he gave them to each other in marriage. And that's chapter two, which kind of blows up in focused detail chapter one and especially about Adam and Eve being created as the image bearers, which is kind of the focus of our study. And they were given together to one another by God in marriage, and it was a beautiful thing, and everything was well. They were doing good work. They were taking dominion. They were together. They, everything was good until chapter 3, we see the serpent, uh, the devil who was in the serpent's form, came and deceived Adam, Eve and Adam. Adam Adam wasn't deceived. He knew it was wrong. He sinned blatantly. Eve was deceived. 
And they both fell into sin. And we know that there was, because of that, because they wanted to be like God. They wanted to take matters into their own hands. Do you ever struggle with that? I know I do. And so, so even in that, God was, was amazingly gracious, though there were great consequences and even a curse for sin. And we see the curse that happens for sin. Genesis 3.14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go and dust shall eat all, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Now, now we know that Satan was posing as a serpent. We know that from Revelation 12, 9 and 22. And it's possible that in that day, before the fall, the serpent was actually standing or even walking. But we know after the fall, serpents are just slithering on the ground, right? But it's not about us kind of being, kind of getting some disdain for serpents, kind of like, Harrison Ford, did anyone see the old movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark? He hates snakes, and I do too. Sorry, Libby Dixon. I hate him. But, uh, it's, it's, but here the point is not about whether you like snakes or hate snakes or whether they slither on the ground. The point is a spiritual point. That what happens at this, it's a spiritual curse we find completed in Revelation 20, verse 10, when God will cast the garden serpent, Satan, into the pit of hell forever. He will defeat all of his and our enemies. Thanks be to God. Because Satan's intent was not just to deceive Adam and Eve, it's to deceive all of you and to keep you from trusting God's work, whether you're a believer or not yet a believer. He wants you to come and think, I can do this on my own. I can take matters in my own hands. I can fix this, or I'll just ignore this. Whatever your attitude is, the serpent, Satan, wants to not just deceive you, he wants to kill you. John 8, 44 says he was a murderer from the beginning. John 10, 10 says he was the thief who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus came, he said, that, that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, at the fall here in Genesis 3, due to sin, there's a great divide between two groups of people. And believe me, it's not just the great divide between Georgia and Alabama football fans. This is the divide of divides between unbelievers and believers. And we see that is immediately when there's this curse, God brings a blessing and he does this throughout scripture. He, even when we fall and fail, God is always pursuing us with his we call it grace, his work, his unmerited favor for us. Genesis 3.15, look at this first promise of the good news. This, this is right at the beginning of the Bible, the Old Testament, which is so important for us to know. 
It says there, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Again, verse 15, enmity, that word means to make as an enemy. And it was an enemy between Satan and the woman. The offspring here is talking about a spiritual, not a physical offspring. And here we know that Satan wanted everyone to follow him and follow him to ultimately to death. That's where Satan's leading. He doesn't want to just get you off track. He wants to kill your life and to kill your family and to take you just even slightly off track so that you live and follow his ways, which is the path, the long way, and the wrong way, by the way. And so here we see that, that, uh, <clears throat> that here that through the woman, though, through Eve, God promises that there will be ultimately born a Messiah. And that Messiah is Jesus. We know, and through the woman, the godly seed, the believing seed, the Messiah will ultimately defeat the Satan and his, his unbelievable plan to bring everyone in this world to death. Look out how the verse 15 ends in the New International Version, which I think is helpful. It says, He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. You here in the International Version refers to Satan. You shall strike his heel. Satan thought that he won the war when Jesus died on the cross and he was dead in the tomb for three days, right? He struck or bruised Jesus at his death. But look what Jesus does. It says, he, Jesus, will crush your head. Jesus, when he died and for three days, it looked pretty bleak, didn't it? But Satan thought in those three days that he had won the war. He was the conqueror. Yes, the Messiah is dead. It's over. But hallelujah, church, Jesus rose on the third day. And we know that from his dying and rising from the dead that he defeats, obliterates, ultimately, wins the war against Satan and death itself. Not just physical death, because we're going to all die, but spiritual death. That we who know him and trust his work can have life and life more abundantly, as Jesus tells us. So this is, there's a curse of sin here in this passage, but then we see that there is, that just when there's a curse, God brings this blessing, this amazing promise, Genesis 3.15, the first announcement of the gospel of what Christ will do when he comes. And so we see this in this, in this, all this in this passage. But secondly, we, we not only see the curse of sin, we see the consequences of sin. Genesis 3.16, look at it. It says, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Here, the word pain, for pain in verse 16 can refer to emotional and spiritual anguish. It may mean that a woman in childbirth is 
is having anguish because they're bringing a child into a sin-stricken, sin-blighted world. But whatever the pain is, we know the pain of childbearing becomes a lot harder due to sin. And before the fall, remember that the man and the woman had different roles. Adam and Eve were given their specific roles. They were created, yes, with equal value, but the husband, as we've seen, was given the role to be the spiritual leader. And wives were to provide help to come alongside their husbands to help. Now, that word help we saw was not just this weak little sort of, I mean, weak little lifeless, powerless help. It's a mighty rescuing help. Genesis 2.18, that word for helper is used almost consistently throughout the whole Old Testament for God's rescuing his people and giving them great deliverance, like at the Red Sea when he parted the Red Sea. He became their helper in that way. It's a powerful help. So the woman is not just silent on spiritual matters, and we know that the roles between male and female become a lot harder because of sin and after the fall. Now, now, gang, what I appreciate about my wife, Lizanne, is, is that you know, she is a strong woman. She has, her, she has strong thoughts and opinions, and I love that about her. But ever since we've been married, she has always consistently said, John, even though, man, I, you can get a little pushback, right? You get that going. But she's always affirmed me as the spiritual leader of the household and being willing to say, John, I want, I, I want you to lead. And when she does that, I, I want friends I want to lead her in Christ. I don't want to lead her in my path. I don't want to go the long way and the wrong way. I want to lead her to Jesus and my children to Jesus. So I want to just encourage you ladies, and this is just, it's just a pastoral plea from an old guy, okay? Please let your husbands, just encourage them to lead you. And husbands, please do this. Lead them in Christ. Lead them to Christ. Lead them as the chief servant of your household. Humble yourself. And don't think about domination. Think about how you can be the chief lead servant in your family. And man, I'm telling you what, that, those kind of roles, when we operate that way and we reject sin and selfishness, it's amazing how that grows love and trust and breaks down just all of the, the, the hard things that we go through in marriage and families and relationships. So um, I'm going to ask you that as you look at verse second half of verse 16, that I think that the meaning of verse Second half of 16, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Again, <clears throat> what I think this is, is like a, a, a kind of a battle for who's in the lead. And you're equal. But please, play the role, 
the biblical role of what God has given you. Reject sinfulness, the sinfulness of your heart, and learn how to love each other well, husband and wife, in the roles that he has given you. Okay, so as we think about that, the, there, was, there were consequences for the woman, and there was also consequences for the man, for Adam. His work would be frustrating, and he and all image bearers would ultimately die, return to dust. We see that in verses 17 through 19. The, the man obeyed the voice of his wife rather than the voice of God. Have any of you ever obeyed or listened to another voice other than God? And the answer is, we do that all the time. Even listening to our own voice and trying to follow that down a pathway thinking we're headed in the right way and we're actually going the long and the wrong way. And we've got to stop and say, I repent. I'm willing, Lord, to follow your way. And so we see here that the, the men, we, we, we do this same way when we don't align our, our hearts and our minds to the word of God, and then we lead our family in a different direction. If you're being passive about the word of God, are you enjoying the word, men? Are you growing and studying the word? Are you saying, if I'm going to be the spiritual leader, I've got to be in the word of God. I've got to be trusting and knowing what God says to me. And look, if you're not listening to what God's saying, you're not spiritually leading your family, guys. So we need to grow in this and not just be passive in our reactions or, or get defensive in our conflicts but courageously lead our families in a God-centered way. But we see here, <clears throat> verse 17 tells us that when we fail to do that, it, it only brings more <laughs> hard consequences. Verse 18, excuse me, 17, Cursed is the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Again, the pain men face mostly is through work-related issues. It's, it's obviously not birthing children, but being fruitful and taking proper dominion according to Genesis 2.15. But this all became harder due to sin, doesn't it? The ground was cursed. And again, the context for Adam, you've got to understand that, was farming. It was the ground that they were working. But we know that sin makes our work and leading our families a lot harder. Verse 19 tells us that all mankind will return to the, to the uh, ground. And, and thorns and thistles are going to crop up in our work. We, we know it's going to become sweaty hard, sweaty hard work. And, and when it says we return to the ground, verse 19 again, we were created out of the dust and we're going to actually all return to the dust. We cannot find life or the right path in our own efforts or taking matters 
into our own hands. Bottom line, as image bearers, we can't gain or earn eternal life on our own. And here's the hard issue. Every one of our bodies are going to die. You know that? In some ways, we're all really pretty frail. We need help. We need God. We need God's, God's grace and His pathway and His rescue because everything becomes harder due to sin. We see in verse 20 how the, that even though right after these consequences for the man and the woman, the man says to his wife, he says, look what he says. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. She was reflecting God as she gave birth as the source, the first woman. And from her came life. And notice that even in the face of dreaded consequences and hard stuff, verse 21, and we saw this a little last week, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Yes, we're going to face consequences due to our sin, but God alone can bring the covering we need. He not only covers our sin by his work, he covers us with his righteousness. And do you realize that this is a picture, this, this verse of God's grace in the Old Testament? It points, it's a foreshadowing of Jesus and what he would do in covering his people and their sins and covering them with his very righteousness. We know again from the New Testament from Hebrews, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Christ had his blood shed. And when he died for you and me, his blood, spiritually speaking, covered every person's sins who trust in him. And we also know, not only do we get forgiven of our sins, he gives to us, covers us, not just with animal skins, with his perfect righteousness. His standing he has before Father God. This is Jesus, the perfect, the one and only son. We get. That's how God views us. Isn't this truly wonderful? Amen. Yes? Amen. Yes, yes it is. And so we give thanks to him. Adam and Eve wore clothes God gave them. They trusted God's work. We can see that. The scripture implies that they had to, yes, they had to trust him. And you have to trust him today. You have to repent and believe and obey Christ. Are you doing so? The passage ends this way. Then the Lord God said, verse 22, Behold, the man has become like one of us and knowing good and evil, now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove him out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim in a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. 
Now, there's a lot of speculation about these last few verses, but let me share with you briefly what we know about this passage. God says, not like a bully, you're out of the garden. Get out. He doesn't boot them out like this. He sends them out of the garden for their protection. Because if they eat of the tree of life, we don't know exactly what happens, but we know it's not good. There's a lot of theories about what would happen if they actually could have eaten the tree of life, but every theory says it's to our demise and destruction ultimately. But he sends them out of the garden to protect them. And so they do not touch the tree of life. Why? Why does he do that? Because one day, because of Jesus' work, he didn't die on the tree of life. He died on the tree called the cross. And when he died, he secured our salvation so that one day in heaven, we will get to taste and enjoy the fruit of the tree of life because Jesus has earned it for us and gives it to us. We see that in Revelation chapter 20. In 22, in verse number one. Just look at it briefly. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God, and the lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river. Notice the tree of life with its 12 kinds, 12 kinds of fruit. A very symbolic number throughout Scripture yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. Sounds a little bit like the Great Commission. Every nation will come to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed. There will be no curse, church. There will be no consequences because of our sin. Christ wins the day. He leads us to the right path. The right road is we trust Him and look to Him by faith and His work. So are you doing so in your life? Yes. It's a hard passage because there is a curse. And there are consequences due to sin. Everything gets harder because of sin, but even in the midst of all of this, God promises his blessing. And he promises and gives us a sign. I will send my son. He will come and die on your behalf. He will secure for you the very tree of life and you will eat of its fruit forever, forever. So just a quick application. You know, um, Adam and Eve sent out of the garden they had to live in this sin-stricken world. We do too. But gang, don't try to make heaven on earth in this life. It's easy to try to do that <laughs> in this community, thinking I can achieve enough, get enough friends, get the right vacation, get the perfect life, get my hairdo just right. I can get everything right and I'm going to find and achieve heaven on earth. And it just isn't going to happen. Secondly, Though, don't be hopeless. Look not only to this life, but to the next life where Jesus, Jesus will be at the center of our worship. 
and we will eat of that tree of life. The nations will be healed. There'll be no more sin, no more curse. This is our hope. This is our confidence. Yes, everything becomes harder because of sin, but everything is changed, restored and made new because of Jesus, the one and only Son. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you. As we come to your table, we praise you for your grace and your work, and we love you. We give you thanks for Christ and his great work on our behalf. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.